0: Amen. Amen. Welcome, everybody. Hi, my name is Brian Williams. If we have not met before, um, that's my name. So now you know. I would like to know your name, so feel free to come and say hello. Sarah and I uh, get to lead this ministry, and it's, we're so pumped about these next nine weeks. The next nine weeks talking about relationships. Anybody care about like relationships, romance, anyone? Anyone? <laughs> all right. Good. I think we all do quite a bit, right? Like these nine weeks, we're going to explore singleness and dating and marriage and sex and sexuality and God's design, God's wisdom, his counsel on engaging with and navigating this, like, obviously common yet, like, weirdly complex and so often confusing reality of the human experience. Before we're diving into that tonight, we've got a lot ahead of us, nine weeks, uh, and this is week one, and it's going to be awesome. I'm so excited for what's ahead of us, for what God is going to reveal and what He's going to teach us along the way. You know, Brian Howard and myself will be preaching, and Sarah and I have worked on bringing uh, together a variety of other content to help build out the opportunity to, to learn and glean wisdom in this area of relationships, and... Um, the truth is we're in it together we're in this together like we we've, we've got a lot of things to touch on and we're not going to get to all of it and there's going to be details and there's going to be questions that be that are brought up in the midst of this like vast and complex thing and just to be totally honest and totally upfront with all of you and to be quite frank except my name's Brian uh Hey, Dad joke. I don't even try. I didn't. It just happened. Oh. Well, truthfully, like Brian Howard, myself, Sarah, Jacob, everybody who's involved in all this stuff, we're not capable of answering every question. We don't understand every detail because we ourselves have questions and curiosities. Like, like, like we ourselves, each one of us, is, is st- we're all students at God's feet just like you, struggling to do this well and to do our best. And to see this thing that can be so beautiful and so life-giving actually be that. We're trying to. And my hope uh, tonight and for the rest of these nine weeks is that we emerge on the other side of this wiser. And, and, and not just wiser, but actually like functionally, behaviorally different, better at relationships. That's my hope for all of us, myself included. And I believe we will get there. We're going to get there collectively. We're going to get there with community and friendship through conversation with each other. We're going to to get there uh, in, in the most important aspect of that, which that song, the new song we sang tonight, fits specifically directly into that. And the most vital aspect is that we're going to get there through friendship with Jesus and listening to Jesus, not just over these nine weeks, but for your whole life. That's the only way to get anywhere good, or at least anywhere that's better than good anything that's the best, anything that's great. And we're going to need the Holy Spirit. We're going to need His help, His counsel, His wisdom. We're going to need each other. We're going to need the Word of God. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I think we can all agree there's like some confusing things going on. Like like if like we're in a church, right? You're in a church. It's good. I'm glad you're here. Church is good. Uh, but also, it can be kind of confusing. Like Like if you grew up in church, or maybe this is just, yeah, if you grew up in church. Like you can be outside of the church in like the secular world and, and there's like, they shame you for wanting to get married. It's like, why would you want to get married and give up yourself and all that could be and your career or what, I don't know, whatever else they shame you for about wanting to get married. And then in the church, there can be this weird thing at times in Christian culture where there's like some sort of shame for not being married. But I just want to say for all of us in here that we would all agree that there's no shame in this place. There's no shame in this place. So let's just talk about this stuff. Let's let's be open. Let's pray about these things. Let's open the word of God and see what he has to say. Let's lean on the spirit of God to lead us and guide us and counsel us and direct us and give us wisdom that we don't have, to give us insight that we don't have. So if you're like, is this for me? Which probably you're like, yeah, it is, Brian. Come on, of course, I'm here. Hopefully it is. I know it is. But if you if you long for marriage, good, good. Let's talk about it. If you're like marriage, dude, that is so scary. Like, <laughs> man, marriage, awesome. Let's process through that together. Let's respond to that and see what's behind that. Do you consider yourself like I'm? I'm too selfish to to. To ever be married. I just, I just could never be with somebody because I'm just too selfish. Well, uh, you know, let's bring that to Jesus because I think he has something to say about it. If you're like, you know, my sexual desires, my, my sexual past, like, it's complicated, and, and maybe it complicates your vision of marriage. Maybe it complicates your vision of the church or of God Himself. Well, let's explore what God intends. Let's, let's lean in to God and explore what he desires in each of our lives and trust and believe his love, his goodness over ourselves and over others in this room. This isn't the place to judge. This is the place to come in and care for one another and build each other up in love and good deeds. Amen? We're all on board with that? Great. Yeah, Woo, let's hear it. Are you all on board with that? Good, good, good. This is a place to respond. You can say hello, you can cheer, it's okay. Or you can boo, I don't know, if you want to. That'd be unfortunate. I opened the door to that. All right, it's up to you guys. Sarah and I have um, really been working on a lot of stuff for this, And, and one of the things that I'm really excited about, we've worked really hard on this, honestly. Actually, we've worked hard, but Jordan Zaretta has worked really hard. Um, yeah, Jordan, thank you, Jordan. One of the things we want to share with you are the stories and the experiences of others. Those who've gone before us, even those who are right alongside us and their stories and learning from God about relationship. You know, Sarah and I and Jordan, we sat down with about 20 people and we've, we've asked them to just share their stories. This week we're diving into Singleness. And so, watch this short video, a collection of some of those interviews.
1: The idea of being single, like through my adulthood, it it became something that was like constantly in my mind. Being in college and graduating, still not having like found like my person, felt like I was hoping. And then it just like kept getting deferred. I think that's where lies can creep in on, you know, am I valuable? Like, am I worthy of this? Like, am I beautiful? Am I
2: attractive? There's moments that you think in singleness, like when is it going to end, or when are you going to meet that next person that you're going to go on a date with, waiting for that guy or waiting for that girl. God's conditioning you and training you to be that great wife or husband, and just like that partner that you haven't even met yet.
3: I think God revealed to me it's okay to be alone and still be seeking. Philippians 4:10 through 13 it speaks to, it finishes with, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But prior to that, it's like, I, I've learned to be content whether hungry or well-fed. Uh, mm-hmm. to be with plenty or with nothing. And all these things, I think, kind of centers around the idea that no matter what, like, God is still good. Mm-hmm. He's still faithful. God is who he says he is, his promises are still true, and mm-hmm. it doesn't change who, who who he is, and it doesn't mean he loves us any less or any It just means yeah. that we're in that season, and that's okay.
2: Really, like, a dating relationship can, like, if you're single and you don't have one, like, can easily become an idol of, like, what you want to achieve. Partnership is a good thing, marriage
1: is a good thing, friendship is a good thing. But when we, we reorder it and place anything before God, I think that's where our hope can continually get deferred and get deferred. God desires to fulfill longings in our hearts, but we have to first like be open-handed and like put it before Him and say, like it's okay to hope. It's okay to hope in certain things and allow God to shape our hope in that way. We shouldn't fight for a relationship to happen in
2: our own strength and in our own doing because then it just it's likely that we're doing it in our own power with Aaron everything really came together because God intended for it to happen from the very beginning when it's in God's timing too those things fit and it's not like oh my gosh I have too many things happening like you will know because it's something that God's blessed and it's not something you're forcing it's okay to be single and it's okay to pursue God in singleness, and it's okay to pursue God um, with another person, but, you know, just pursue God, (laughs) you know, don't don't stop. Jesus really
1: is, like, the most faithful friend I've ever had, and, like, has been with me in my lowest moments, my highest moments, in the most mundane seasons of life, and it's not just because he's, like, passively there, but because we've built relationships. Knowing that like Christ is so consistent and there's so there's such a well of joy to be found in Him and comfort and peace and healing, that I am practicing now, like running to the Lord before I run to my boyfriend.
3: Even when you're single, it's like you have a community, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And I think a reminder of, of God's desire for us to still be with people.
1: When I got to college, I think that was kind of one of those cries of like, well, everyone's in a relationship, like I should
2: want to be in a relationship but my prayer actually was for community. Being in community is, I think, what changed everything because it held me accountable in the things that I wanted to achieve, but also the questions that I had about my faith. And I think that regular attendance, w- whether it's young adults or just your small group, is what helped me um, just have that sounding board of people that were praying, but growing. I wanted to grow in my faith, but I, n- I don't think I realized until I was in that small group that that was the priority and what really helped me.
4: Uh, I'm single, widowed. My wife passed away 13 years ago. I get a call from the caretaker saying that my wife had just passed away. I get home and you talk about relationships and you talk about your church caring for you. There were elders from the church sitting in my living room. My small group is sitting in my living room. I could not have been more loved by those people at that moment.
1: Like, I can't be in control of everything. That at the end
2: of the day, like if God wants something for my life, like He will provide it. If you can write down all the things that you had felt really defeated by, but then God provided, and it was a totally different way than what you expected, all of those moments have been better than I had expected.
4: God has a plan that may not be the one that we have dreamed up.
3: I'm a great planner. I had a great plan not necessarily the plan I have today. God did something better. You know, the idea is that you graduate high school, go to college, start a career, get married, have 2.3 kids, work for 45 years, get a gold watch, golf and die. And God has so much more for us in that. And whether we're alone in that season, Dating in that season married for a majority of that season God's still faithful. Whether our relationship status changes or not uh, is not does not predicate on does not dictate who God is and enjoy being single. It's a lot of fun. You can do a lot of dumb things you don't get to do when you have to share your bank account with someone.
4: There are so many things I do including what I do here at
3: Calvary that I would not be able to do today if I was still married. It's been a season where God's used, personally used me in my singleness to, to, um, I think, be available, to be um, planting seeds or to be serving on mission or to be a part of high school ministry and all these different things. You may be single for a time and God has a plan for someone for you.
4: You may be single for a long time and God has a plan for someone for you. You may be single for ever what does god have for you god has a plan for you with that too
1: so i would say whether you're single like press into community like rejoice in the fact that like it might feel lonely because your heart is longing for maybe a romantic relationship but that joy of walking with people is going to remain even when you are in that relationship and you're actually going to end up leaning on that a lot more when you realize like oh wow like this romantic relationship which includes friendship in there is not meant to satisfy every area of life. And community is like what every believer is called to and it's available to every believer. God
0: reveals himself through the stories of his people. He reveals himself through the stories of his people. You know, doing these interviews has just been like amazing. It's been so amazing, and really, this is just like a mashup of even just a few of them. This is just a sampling. Uh, I like our heart is to share these things, and really, even in service, there's content with this that is good. But our desire is that you'd actually go and watch the entire thing, that you'd get to hear all of these stories in in, in entirety, because I, I truly think like I. Maybe this is not the right, you still listen to my sermon, okay? But uh, you're going to gain more from watching those than you will from my sermon tonight. You're going to gain more from hearing the stories of people who've trusted the Lord and wrestled through it and navigated it and, and seen Him deliver things to them, seen Him withhold things from them. But they've continued to trust. Maybe they've doubted, maybe, maybe they've lost things, But they, but they get to see God's faithfulness and we can learn from it. You'll gain more from hearing their stories than you will from my sermon tonight, but please still listen. There's still some good stuff in here. You know, each week what we're going to do, like I said, I want you to hear these things. And so each week, um, we're going to release the full-length version of all of these interviews. Um, well, two a week. We're kind of taking time because we don't want to kill Jordan. But... uh I I just want to encourage you, please go watch them. Take the time to sit and listen and hear what the wisdom of God and and the character of God revealed through the stories of his people. This week, uh, after service, you'll have the opportunity to hear the wisdom of Sarah. Yeah, Sarah. Yeah, anyone? Uh, Embarrassed. Great, that's good. Sarah sat down and, and you got a, a sampling of it, but, but she told her story and what God has and is teaching her right now about relationships. And you'll get to see the full thing that'll be released this week. And also, um, we're showing Doug's story. Doug um, shares the reality of till death do us part. And God's hand that has guided him, whoa, <laughs> through the life he has He's lived. From singleness to marriage and now into singleness again. These are just the start of it. And I just, go watch it. It will shape you. It will shape your view of God. God's going to use those stories in amazing ways. So now also please still listen to the sermon. OK, great. Uh, Sarah will talk more about that on the end, actually, where you can find those. Um, great. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> so singleness. Singleness. Anybody single in the house? What up? Yeah, I think most of you probably are single. Most of you are single. Um, And I'm just going to say it out loud. Most of you probably won't be single your whole life. Uh, For some, that's a relief. For some, that's fear. (laughs) You're like, I don't know. I think I'd rather be single. For some of you, singleness will not be a season but a constant. That's also a fear for some people here. But for most of you, singleness will be a season, a long season or short season. I don't know. But for everyone, no matter what happens in life, singleness is something that you are going to experience and live in. Maybe you already have. Maybe you're already married. Some of you are. And some of the people watching are. But but either way, you are going through it many of you right now, right in this moment. And so we're going to talk about singleness tonight. And before we go anywhere, I just want to clarify from the beginning what I mean when I'm talking about singleness. When I use the term singleness, here's what I'm talking about, all right? For our purposes, this means not married, Okay. If you're single, you're not married. Like you may be in a dating relationship. You may be engaged. You may be like a hapless romantic with your hand on the seat next to you, just wishing someone would fill it. Maybe anyone speaking to anyone here? Maybe you're just totally content in your friendships and you're like, No, I'm good. I'm happy with where I'm at. We're going to consider all that single. We're going to consider all that single. And I get it, there is a sliding scale of like, you know, commitment and coupling and all that sort of stuff that precedes marriage. Definitely, there's a lot of stuff in there. But we're going to consider if you are unmarried, you are single. And over the course of these nine weeks, we're going to unpack so much about this stuff, but it just makes a lot of sense to start with singleness. So that's why we're doing it, all right? The Bible has a lot to say about it, a lot to say about it, about the life of the person who is free, unencumbered from the covenant of marriage. Uh, There's examples, people who lived a life of singleness, devoted fully, entirely, wholeheartedly to God, even people who were single but longed for marriage, They're in the Bible, too. And they cried out to the Lord. What we're going to do, how I'm going to go through this is I'm just going to list nine things. I came up with nine. I actually came up with a lot more, and I was like, that's going to be way too long of a sermon. So we're going with nine tonight. And so here's the first one. The first one. Being single, whether not yet married, never married, widowed, whatever it might be, being single does not make you incomplete or unable to faithfully fulfill your God-given calling. Marriage is not the gateway to holiness. It's not the gateway to holiness. It's not the only means. If you've grown up in the church, maybe you have that perception. Maybe that's some, something you feel in some way. Marriage is a tool that God uses for holiness, and it can be fruitful in bringing about holiness in one's life. But it is not the only tool God has at his disposal. And frankly, it's not the primary tool. we got the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. we got community. we got people. We, there's all these things God uses. Marriage is one of those, but it's not the only one. So married or unmarried, the calling of every human being is to acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, to put into action his death, burial, and resurrection, what that means for your life. Loving God wholeheartedly, loving others sacrificially, and the calling for all of us, no matter what station in life you fill, is to call others to know Jesus, to disciple them, raise them up in knowing him and in relationship with him. That is what we've all been called to. We've all been called to that. And that life with Christ, it manifests in each of us through our our giftings and, and, and through God's leading. And I think that God has made it clear. He's made it really clear in Scripture that he equips you for the calling he has placed on you. God is patient, but he is not wasteful, my friends. He is patient, but not wasteful. In this moment, in this time, wherever you are, whatever your circumstances, God has a calling for you in this moment. There's a work to be done and life to be lived. Don't miss it. Like God's not twiddling his thumbs like, oh man, you know, well, I've got this really meaningful, really meaningful, useful thing for him to do. If only he would go over and ask Stephanie out. Man, no, come on. That's not our God. God's not like lamenting like, oh, oh, if only she would enter into a relationship with one of those goofy guys at the bar she keeps meeting. Then I could fulfill what I intend for her. No, that is not our God. That is not our God. Now, sure, God, like, he, he's got purposes and plans, and maybe that is in marriage. Maybe it is with Stephanie. I don't know. Maybe that's a word for someone. I don't know. Maybe, maybe your standards are too high. Maybe. We'll talk more about that later, OK? <laughs> but God doesn't need to have you in a specific relationship status in order to make your life useful and fruitful for his kingdom. And there's biblical precedent for this. We've got, we've got the example of the apostle Paul who never married. There's the prophetess Anna who was widowed most of her life. And of course, we got like Jesus Christ himself. <laughs> The big deal, right? The head honcho. I think for all of us, we need to accept and lean into, at times, in a way, release into the freedom that God is a person. He is adaptable. He is creative. And he is continually working all things for the good of those who love him. What I mean is, wherever you are in life right now. Wherever you will be 10 years from now, wherever you will be 40 years from now, God's loving kindness will guide you and call you into fruitful, eternal, meaningful living. I love what Jesus says in John ten ten. He says, the thief, that's the devil, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, this is Jesus talking, Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus calls us to a life in abundance. And that calling is not contingent on human covenants. It's not contingent on human covenants. What a beautiful thing. Being single does not make you incomplete or unable to faithfully fulfill your God given calling. Okay, number two, you guys ready? It's okay to be single right now. It's actually a gift. It's actually a gift. Anyone? 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 You're like, really? I don't know. Maybe. Other people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's a gift. Like Dave. I love Dave. Dave was in my wedding. I was like, anyway, maybe you don't know who I'm talking about. That's the guy who was like, you know, enjoy your singleness. Anyway, okay. Singleness can be a desirable state and a gift that allows full devotion to the Lord. Let's look at what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 7. He writes this. I would like you to be free from concern. but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. So Paul here, he's a single man, and, and he calls out a reality of marriage. That when you are married, things get a little messier. They do. Definitely. Like, definitely, there are many blessings and reasons to celebrate marriage. Definitely. But when you get married, things get a little messier. God himself loves marriage, right? Marriage is good. Marriage is really good. God created marriage as a good thing for the benefit of human flourishing, a good thing to be embraced. And Paul, who who wrote this to the Corinthian church, also wrote a letter to the Ephesians where he just heaps high praise on marriage and God's purposes for it and says, man, this is good. This is good. Marriage is good. Yet in our fallen world, there is the reality that relationships with imperfect people draw on our time, our energy, our emotional bandwidth, and our devotion. And guess what? Everyone's imperfect. No matter what you're thinking, like, oh, no, no, but I'll find that one. No, no, everyone's imperfect. If you think they're perfect, well, we'll get to that. Uh, Truly, I got to say, I I believe that as a married man, I am married to my wife, Amy. Um, Yeah, that's the one Uh, clarifying in my mind. Now, truly, I believe as a married man, it honors God that I prioritize time with my wife. It honors God that I prioritize her. It is loving for me to consider her needs and her weaknesses and adjust my dealings accordingly. And thankfully, she kindly and lovingly does the same for me, accommodating my weaknesses and my needs into her life. And while this is honoring to God, it's, it's also, it's just an added consideration in all that I do, including how I follow God. Like if my wife, Amy, knows the call of God is to sell our car and give the money to like so-and-so, whoever, well, Amy, when she was unmarried, she could do it freely. She could do it immediately. The, the only consideration was, was, is she willing to follow God on this? Is she willing to, to obey him and say yes to him? In marriage, Amy, in kindness and consideration for me, would probably pause for a moment and bring this call to me, her husband. And we may still arrive at the same outcome, but the, the process is slowed. It adds concern. It adds complexity. Of course, the inverse would be true. If I, when I bring things before her, I have to consider her. I have to weigh What she needs and what is best for her as well. So it's okay to be single right now, and it's actually a gift. And the gift of singleness is simplicity. The gift of singleness is simplicity. Do you know that in marriage it's actually harder to get time with God? It's harder. Of course, it can be done. (laughs) Yes, of course it can be done. And it's important that it is done. It's so important to get time alone with God, but it actually takes more intentionality than when I was single. And kids, like, (laughs) your life is not your own when you have kids. Not at all. Not at all, but it is good. It's good. It's more complex, but it's good. You know, see, right now, In your singleness, if you are single, (laughs) your life is simple. Some of you might be sitting there like, no, Brian, you don't know my life. My life's real complex. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it is. But I'll just say that marriage isn't going to make it any less complex. For all its beauty and purpose, marriage will make your life more complex than it is now. And a romantic relationship of any kind will make your life more complex. And complex is not worse. It's just complex. So I want to encourage you with this. Leverage the simplicity of your singleness. It's a gift. Your time right now is a gift. Your single days are actually this like, wonderful time where you can either waste, waste it on frivolous stuff or you can invest it in the kingdom of God. Make the most of the simple freedoms you have right now. Serve God in like extravagant ways. Surrender yourself to his impulses, not your own. Because you have the freedom to do so right now. It's complex to be married. It's good, but it's complex. So embrace the simplicity of singleness while you have it, if you have it. Number three, come to peace with being single and not needing another person to complete you, but find completeness and security in Jesus. Okay, real talk, right? Finding someone who completes you is Hollywood fiction. It's not real. It's a lie. Believing someone other than Jesus can fulfill you is setting them and yourself up for failure. So make peace with singleness by finding fulfillment in Jesus. Make peace with any situation in life by finding fulfillment in Jesus. For no matter your relationship status, only Jesus will ever satisfy you. Only Jesus will ever complete you and protect you and love you completely. You know, when I reflect on on my own vows, the to death, till death do us part aspect of that weighs on me at times. You know, hearing Doug's story is moving and hard, um, but also beautiful to be encouraged by. But often when I reflect on that vow, that aspect of the vows, till death do us part, it's it's amazing that, that that is actually an inevitability, that death will part us. See, in Matthew 22, Jesus makes it really clear that when we get to heaven, we won't be married to one another. We'll be in perfect communion with God himself. And there will be no need for marriage. No, no matter how you go through life, Jesus will be the fulfillment of all we long for and need, both now, in the middle of it, and at the end. Find completeness and security in Jesus. Do it now, no matter your status. If you're married and you're still navigating that, find your completeness in Jesus, my friends because eventually that's where you're going to end up is with him in complete, perfect unity with him, just basking in the glory of his goodness and light. It'll be wonderful. But you don't have to wait till then to start pursuing that. Number four, it's okay to be single and want to be married. It's okay to be single and want to be married. Like the normative pattern is marriage. It is. And that's probably where many of you are headed. Many of you want to be married, and that desire is a good thing. It's not a shameful thing. It is not a shameful thing. Like for some, the the burden of being single, but, but wanting to marry is this like shamefulness of rejection. And the possibility that that next rejection, the possibility of that next rejection becomes a hindrance to you. So the phrase like, I I want to get married one day or like one day I want to get married, it becomes this sort of like lament, this sort of obstacle, this distant thing as if it'll never really happen, as if it's impossible. The one day is so vague because you're so afraid. If that's you, the encouragement tonight is double down on knowing and loving Jesus. Not only will he not reject you, He will love you so securely, you will be able to move out into the wild world that is dating and not be crushed by it. Another hindrance that seems common is simply expressing that you want to get married at all. To even just voice those words, I'd like to get married one day. It's like, (laughs) no, put him back in. Perhaps you've experienced or heard of others experiencing this, that that they expressed the desire for marriage and now they're wearing the shamefulness of being desperate. Some ladies in this room may relate to this, some guys will, but let's probably be real, more common among the women. I want to encourage you to be single and desire marriage is not a sign of weakness or failure or shamefulness. If anything, it's a sign of maturity that you can express clearly and confidently what you desire and the direction you're headed. It's not shameful. Marriage is a good thing. And to be shamed or dismissed because of that is perhaps more an indictment of the person you're talking with than it is of you. Let's be real, right? If marriage is something you desire and that other person scoffs at that desire, is that really a person you want to explore the possibility of marriage with? right? I also know, though, the reality that sometimes a reputation gets to people before you do. And let's just, all of us in here, let's just all agree. Let's just all agree that to say you want to get married does not equate to being desperate. Can we agree to that? Can we all agree to that? Yes. Thank you. Let's agree to that and let's agree to stop that line of thinking or to stop that reputation. Because to desire marriage does not mean you are desperate. It means you, it might even just mean you're real wise. (laughs) That you actually have some wisdom because singleness is hard and to want companionship and partnership is not weakness. It might just be wisdom. Let's not shame people for that. Marriage used to be the foundation, and now it's like this capstone. Brian Howard and I were talking about this earlier this week. He brought it to my attention, and it was like, wow, this is weird. We should talk about that. That, uh, that It used to be you get, you get married at 19, and you build your life from there, and marriage is this foundation upon which you build your life. Now, it's you build your adult life, and, and you get married as this capstone once you've got everything all together. And this isn't, there's no, like, moral, there's agenda here. There's nothing moral, immoral about this. It's just worth acknowledging and calling it out for, that for all of human history. It has been this get married and from that secure, like, covenant place and in partnership, build out your life. And now, just in the last few decades, it's build a life and then find someone else who built a life that's compatible with yours. It's worth acknowledging that things have shifted. And like I said, it's not, there's no moral, I'm not, there's no, I don't know. It is what it is. It's not good or bad, it just is what it is. And it's a new paradigm and it brings with it its own weaknesses and strengths and some people will thrive in it, others will loathe it. And while that paradigm will influence or impact your experience in singleness and longing for marriage, it does not have to dictate your experience. It's OK to say that you want to be married, no matter what age you are. Perhaps this will free you to say it out loud and learn that you're not alone. You're not alone. Also, this shift in things is more neutral for men than it is for women. It just is. Point number five, there is a biological clock for having children. There is. (laughs) There just is. There's no way to get around it. And if that doesn't seem like it's like, if you're like, okay, cool, whatever, like, okay, well, listen up still because this might be for for your future you. (laughs) I don't know. Or it might be for someone around you. The thought, the fear. That if it takes too long, am I going to be, have children, be able to have children? I just want to say it out loud. That's reasonable. That's reasonable and in no way contemptible. Like guys in this room, men. There are women in this room who, who f- for them, the thought, I want to get married one day, has this added reality and weight that if they want to have kids, one day can't be completely ambiguous. For the men in here, I want, I want to call you out into this, that we can be aware and compassionate to that reality. Be compassionate towards that. There's no reason to mock such a thing. Not at all. How sour and cold. Some of you men may have desires and expectations of where you will be and at what age, but uh, we, the reality is women feel that pressure of the biological clock more than we men do. So guys, be compassionate. Be kind. Be kind. And like, even if you, okay, be considerate. Like if you're dating a girl, be considerate of her time. Like if that thing's going nowhere, just be considerate. Okay, we'll talk more about that stuff later. But be considerate. Take care of her. Be serious about where the relationship's going or could go. For the women in here. I want to encourage you, as well, that God listens. God listens. Articulate those desires to God. Psalm 66, we read this. I I cried to him, that's to the Lord. I cried to God with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, maybe the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us come with confidence and draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. 1 Peter 4.12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. My friends, if you have put your faith in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, you are made righteous by his blood, and God hears your prayers. He bends his ear to you. Our prayers are not heard because we are worthy or perfect, but because God is gracious, and God listens. So articulate your desires to him. And for both the men and women in here who hope to have kids, yes, timing matters, timing matters like there's a reason that when sarah got pregnant when sarah and abraham got pregnant with isaac in the old testament that it was considered a miracle because for like a long time like all of human history we kind of get it the older you get the less fertile you are for both men and women like it's a reason it was a miracle that that sarah got pregnant by abraham like they're in their 90s and it's like no this should not happen We get it. Timing matters. And humanity has known that for a long time. But also, pregnancy is just this miracle. It's just this crazy, crazy miracle. Like seriously, it's so astounding. Like it's so astounding that anyone gets pregnant. God created something so beautiful and intricate and then like unfathomably complex and I don't want to lay additional fears at your feet, but I want to pry closed hands open. This is for the men, this is for the women, this is for all of us, that marriage by a certain age is not a guarantee that you will be able to have children. The fulfillment of your desire for kids does not depend on timing alone. The best posture to hold, to hold it, it is open-handedly before God. And, and that will continue to be the best posture even after your wedding day. Like often at, at the prompting of Jesus, I reflect that, that Amy's not my own. That, that she is his and she may not always be by my side. And so, and so I, I, must, I must continue to always be open-handed with her. And this posture of open-handedness was necessary before I even met her. It was necessary then as I, as I walked with God and I wondered what he had in store for me. It was necessary uh, to be open-handed as Amy and I got to know each other. It was necessary as we navigated engagement. It was necessary. And the honeymoon and all that stuff. Open-handedness has been the appropriate posture every step of the way. And it will continue to be. See, after we got married a couple years in, we decided it it was time to pull the goalie. (laughs) Was that explicit? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Is that too much? (laughs) We decided to have kids. (laughs) To try and have kids. Some people still don't get it. It's okay. Yeah, loosen up, people. All right, OK. <laughs> All right. Now you've got a new term to use. <laughs> so we decided it was time to try and have kids. We thought, we thought, yeah, let's go for it. And in a month of trying to get pregnant, a month of trying to get pregnant became a couple of months. And the months became a year. And the year approached two years. And the prayers and the reality of our biological complexions prodded us to be open-handed with our desire for children. We had no choice. In the waiting and prayer and hoping, we were forced to consider what it is we actually desire in being parents. How has God uh, equipped us? And how is he going to carry out those motherly and fatherly callings that we felt? we had to be open-handed, that, that perhaps the use of that purpose would look different than we'd imagined. This is true not just for kids, but for everything in life. We opened our hands, saying, saying, Lord, I trust you and will serve you and be faithful with whatever you see fit to put in these hands. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Like in everything, we must be open-handed, trusting the Lord in everything. Even now, Amy and I have two children, and they're awesome, and we're so thankful for it. We're so thankful for them. And still, still, I must acknowledge that they are not mine, they're his. That open-handedness continues not just with them, but but even with the concept that God might might call us with the paternal and maternal things that that he's put in us to do something else. I don't know what, but he might call us to something and I need to continue to be open-handed for whatever God intends to put in these hands or whatever he intends to take out of them. You don't have to be married to foster or adopt. You don't have to make a baby to love and care for one. You don't have to hold out for the physical aspects of mothering and fathering to fulfill that role for another person spiritually. God listens well. Articulate your desires to him and let him decide. Number six, alone is better than being in the wrong relationship. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Yes. Yes, amen. Some people, like, whether it's willful or entirely ignorant, some people would rather be in the wrong relationship than be alone. Maybe the Spirit's prodding you right now. If that's you, if you are so fed up with singleness, you're about to make a mistake, stop. Don't do it. Don't do it. You, you, you can, you can you, if you can't stand being alone, if, if you can't stand it so much, if you can't stand being with yourself to that extent, well, guess what? Marriage isn't actually going to make you feel any better. And using people as distractions, especially if they're, they're the wrong person, won't remedy the discomfort you have with yourself. Only Jesus can do that. So get right with Jesus. And spare yourself and that other person the pain and weight of your discontentment with yourself. Face your singleness, for it is far kinder than a companion that undercuts the life you're called to. Number seven, build healthy friendships. Build healthy friendships. You know, a while back, some of you will remember this, not all of you were there, but a while back we uh, memorized a verse in YA, and um, we actually put hand motions to it, because that's how you memorize things, and uh, the verse goes like this, it's Proverbs thirteen twenty. it's on the screen, great, that's great, that's wonderful, thank you, Proverbs thirteen twenty. <sighs> walk with the wise and become wise. For the companion, and this is where you have to shake someone's hand. You need a partner in it. The companion of, this is the best, fools suffer harm. (laughs) Yeah. Walk with the wise and become wise. For the companion of fools suffers harm. Find people who are wise to walk life with, and you will be better off. Depending on who you surround yourself with, if they're foolish, you're going to be worse off. Find good friends. Learn how to build healthy relationships. Friendship. The need for friendship is a constant in life. A constant. We all need the sharpening and the comfort and the delight of friends in our lives. You will always need friends that will lead you towards Jesus. You will always need that. You will always need friends who give you wise counsel, who spur you on to the things of God, the people who listen to the Holy Spirit with you and speak truth to you. You'll need those people who will be kind and compassionate to you and gracious with you. You'll need those people. The need for that will never leave you. So whether you hope to one day marry or you don't think a wedding will ever be on your calendar, pour into friendships because you will benefit from them. Like in that video, how many people talked about the importance and impact of friendship. Almost every couple that we've talked to or individual that we've talked to has talked about the friends that came alongside them and guided them and helped them along the way. I want to encourage you with three points about friendship. First is that friendship is the basis for every strong romantic relationship or any relationship at all. Friendship is the basis for every strong rela- relationship, romantic or other. So get to it. Start making friends. Start refining within yourself the quality of friend you are to others. It's not just about who's, who's a friend to you, but who are you a friend to? Start becoming that person. It will only benefit you down the road, no matter what your relationship status. The second one, friends are the proving grounds for how to have deep relationship. Friendships, is, is, it's the testbed for how to have Jesus-centered relationship, for, for how to follow God alongside others, for how to forgive, for how to trust, for how to communicate. Now, even, it's a testbed for even who do you partner with? How do you discern who is a wise friend and who's a foolish one? Who's a wise partner and who's a foolish one? Friendship is a space in which you can do this. So do not forsake the God-designed refinement that comes through friendship. It will will always be needed. Third, friendship is accountability for good decision-making. Walk with the wise, become wise. But the companion of fools suffers harm. Seek out good friends who are wise, who love the things of God and desire for you to love God too. They will be your mirror. Helping you... To, to reveal to you what, what you don't see in yourself. They, they will be God's tool for reminding you of what he has called you to, of who you are in Jesus. They will be the outside perspective that helps guard you from making that poor decision and who to date or who to walk alongside or cast your lot in with. They will affirm or caution you when you're navigating all that life has. They will encourage you and love you. You need friends. Find friends who will help hold you accountable. You know, Proverbs 17.7 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Life has a lot of adversity. Find people who will help you through it. Build healthy friendships. All right, number eight. Thank you. We got, we got two more. This is the second to last one. We're almost there. Number eight, sexual desires and singleness are attention to manage, not a problem to solve. Like, Brian Howard talked about this a couple weeks ago, right? He, and he said, he, he, we're going to talk about this more, by the way. We're going to talk about this a lot more. We're going to spend a lot of time on this. We're going to devote a whole night to talking about this stuff. But, but the simple answer to, to, to strong sexual desires is get married. Like That's the simple answer. That's, that's the simplest answer. That's the most black and white answer. That's the most clear answer. But I also recognize it's overly simplistic. Because marriage may be a trajectory, but it's not a solution for the desires you have tonight, tomorrow, maybe next week, a year from now. I don't know. So that's why we need to speak about and, and, and acknowledge That sexual desires and singleness are a tension to manage, not a problem to solve. So long as you are in singleness, the the difficulty of sexual desire and God-honoring sexual ethics is something that we will hold in tension. You'll hold in that tension so long as you are single, you'll feel that tension. And, And get this, it won't totally go away in marriage either. See, God honoring sexual ethics and our fleshly desires will continue continue to require self-discipline and wisdom even in marriage. The tension does not go entirely entirely away even in marriage. So start refining how you manage that tension within yourself because you'll need it your whole life. God desires that we would acknowledge things that are good that we had acknowledged things that are good, with all good desires, such as sex drive. It's a good thing. Like, men and women, we all, like, you have it, OK? Men have it. Women have it. There's, there's this, like, sex drive, this thirst for sexual pleasure. And that desire is a good thing. It's a good thing, just like I really love in and out Burger. What up, Sean? Shout out to anyone who's here at the pre-meeting. Sorry, that was a little inside joke that probably wasn't the best place to put it. Uh. Sex drive is good when we're single, and sex drive is good in marriage. But with all good desires, what we do with it will determine if it continues to be a good thing or if it becomes a destructive thing in our lives or the lives of others. Like I said, we'll talk more about this. We're going to talk much more about this, but I just want to make clear from the, from the top as we go through this that we would all have it clear that there is no need to vilify sex drive. There's no need to suppress it because you are single. There's no need to deny it. On the contrary, on the contrary, acknowledging it and then responding to it appropriately is the path to life and health in that area. But we got to acknowledge it. Kind of brings us to number nine. Whatever dysfunction you have as a single person, you will drag into relationship. Deal with your dysfunction now. Like if you're a man or woman who is mired in addiction to pornography and hoping that one day when you get married, it'll just magically go away, you're wrong. It won't. When you continue to indulge in pornographic context, What you open your mind and body up to is altogether different than the realities of what God created. And it is a corrupting of your pleasure and your perspective, and it corrupts even your ability to thrive in sexual intimacy with a real person. It is not neutral. And if you don't deal with it now, it will be a wrecking ball in your relationship and to your spouse's security and your love for them. If you are a controlling or manipulative person, and and you've seen that, or you recognize that, and you think like, oh, well, it's not that big a deal. I'll get into the right relationship with the right person, and I I won't feel that need to do it anymore. Or like, I'll I'll, I'll find the right person who will just accept me for me. Think again. (laughs) Man. If you think you'll get the right person and your dysfunction, your sin will go away or won't matter to them or won't impact them, you're wrong. (laughs) You're fooling yourself. Your unrealistic expectations will come crashing down on you and the other person. And there will be wreckage. There will be collateral damage. It will be horrible. Your lack of self-control. If you, if you have a lack of self-control with your phone, of the amount of time you spend on if you see that your phone and, and how you relate to that thing is impacting how you have relationship here and now, that's not going to go away when you get married. It will impact your ability to have a healthy marriage. So start dealing with it now. Start figuring it out now. Start bringing it before the Lord and yourself before the Lord. And lean on Jesus. Lean on the Spirit to encourage you, and shape you, and guide you, that you may deal with some of this dysfunction. Your dysfunction will follow you until you deal with it. You can wait to deal with it in marriage, or you can get to work dealing with it now, with whatever you're already aware of, whatever you're already aware of. Because seriously, like we're going to be dealing with dysfunction our whole lives. Like you, It's just going to happen. Until the day we are free with Jesus, <laughs> and no longer dealing with it you're going to deal with dysfunction your whole life but you can start making some progress and position yourself and your future spouse for a little less heartache it's worth it get to it the band if you guys want to make your way up we'll close it out i want to encourage you guys get to work on these things set the direction of your life towards the abundant life jesus calls us to Don't waste your life. Our lives are governed by this pesky thing called time, and it's the only thing that can't be stored, saved, or multiplied. You've got today. Maybe you'll have tomorrow. What are you going to do with it? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love others and let the rest fall in line as God sees fit. So no matter where you are or where you might be one day, foster loving, gracious, sacrificial relationships with your family, with your friends. Let your relational and spiritual and emotional and physical patterns be rewritten by God himself. Be a blessing to this world and whoever God might surround you with. Jesus is calling you to a life of abundance, a life full of all those things that are meaningful and valuable and it begins and ends and is sustained through relationships with him, through relationship to him. So get on with living that abundant life now and keep at it no matter what comes your way in life. Father God, we thank you that you are good and kind that you are the answer to all our longings and you don't disappoint. Lord, we come before you, we surrender ourselves to you, and we receive you knowing that you've received us. Lord, I thank you that you will lead us through these next nine weeks, that you will shape each one of us if only we're willing to let you have your way. We love you, Lord. May you be glorified within us and through us. Amen.